Hey there, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We hope this word inspires you and helps build your faith while facing the storms of your life. We thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the word. Amen. Amen. How you doing? All right. Go ahead and tell somebody, I'm glad you are here. Tell somebody, I'm glad you're here. All right, some, some, some of you are missing the point. You're talking to the person you came with. Talk to somebody else. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Hey, well, I am so glad that you are here. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here at Church at the Bridge, and it is a pleasure to have you joining us today. Look, I am not going to waste your time. You came here for a reason. You came here seeking something. You came here with questions. You are facing life. You have thoughts and ideas about who God is and what God wants to do in your life. And my task is not to tell you what I think. My task is simply to point you to God's word today. Is that all right? That's all right. I have your permission to speak to you truthfully. You love me, right? All right. Remember you said you love me because I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to challenge you today. All right. Today we're beginning a new series The title of this series is When Waters Rise. When Waters Rise. What are we going to talk about? Baptism? No. We're going to be talking about how to face the storms of life. Listen, the truth is this, that we have all undergone difficulties. Am I right in that? Yeah? If If you've undergone some difficulty, wave at me. Okay, some of you just need to get off your spiritual high and come back down to earth, and let's be real for a moment. All right? Let's be real. We all endure difficulties. And so this series, what we're going to be doing is looking at the lives of people from the scriptures that face difficulties. But listen, these people didn't just go through just trouble. These people, and this is not by design, it's just worked out that way and we ended up titling the series what we titled it. It's really about people who found themselves in difficult circumstances while in the midst of turbulent waters. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to see, one, how they responded. But two, we're going to look to the instruction that God's word provides us. And so as I was preparing for this series and thinking through what we'll be learning in the next several weeks, it became crystal clear to me that the difficulties of life are really a lot like storms. Let me tell you what I mean. When storms come, everyone experiences the effects. Let me let me break outside of normal English and put it this way. Everyone experiences the effects. That's very different. We'll get to that in a second. But not everyone is affected the same way. You hear what I'm saying? So when a storm comes, everybody is subject to the rain, right? Everybody's subject to the wind. Everybody's subject to the circumstances, but not everyone has to respond the same way. Not everyone does. And the question is, why? A couple of uh, months ago, towards the end of the summer, I uh, took a trip down to Florida, a quick uh, trip to go to my sister's baby shower. And uh, it just so happened that the week that I was going, the news all over the country was about this hurricane that was coming to Florida. And for me, I just simply, you know, I had people say, well, what are you going to do? What if they cancel your flight? And what if you do this? And what if you do that? And for me, it was, I'll monitor the weather. I'll see what they say with the flights, check the status, and I'll go from there. 
<laughs> Excuse me. So anyway, I catch my flight. I head down to Tampa, Florida. I arrive in TPA International, and it is like World War III just happened. People are freaking out about this storm that's coming, right? The news said, this person said, NOAA said, this app says, that app says. It was to such an extent that when I get to the counter uh, of the car rental company that I used, the guy says to me, listen, it's really bad out there. And I'm looking outside the glass, and it is shining. It's a beautiful day. And I'm just like, okay, what is he? And I think he was trying to get me. He did get me because he sold me on get the package for the gas. In case you can't fill up, you can bring it back and we won't charge you $19 a gallon. Because everybody, the gas is running out. It was a lie. But in his mind, it was the truth. And so, and, and, and what's interesting is I get to my families and they say, oh, we're going to Walmart real quick. You want to come with us? I said, sure, let's go to Walmart. So we go to Walmart. And you would think that they were guarding Fort Knox. Listen, they had security detail and an armed police officer by pallets of water. People were going crazy out there. You can only get two. No, you were here before. No, I was online. And I'm just like, okay. But my point with that is simply this. Everyone feels the effects of a storm. Everyone feels the effects of a storm, but it's up to you to determine how the storm affects you. Let's leave that point up there, please. I want you to consider this. Effect or effect is the result of a change. In other words, listen, the fact is that the wind is blowing. There's hail coming down. The waves are battering against boats and ships, and, and it's, it's a little uncomfortable there's actual change happening. That's effect. That's effect, right? But effect is the impact of the change. See, when a storm hits, you will feel the change in circumstances. But how you internalize and allow that change to impact you is yours to determine. It's yours to determine. I want you to consider that for some people today, certainly not here, but for some people today, the, storm, the storms that hit uh, aren't just storms. They've become a way of life. Difficulty for some people becomes a way of life, a way of thinking, a way of living. But it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. If this is your experience with difficulties or not, maybe you're soaring. Maybe you're doing great, and that's awesome. But there is something that God wants to speak to you and I, to each and every one of us. Because the truth is that each and every one of us will have to face trials and tribulations in life. That's the truth. So listen to James chapter 1 verse 12. It says, blessed is the man. How many of you get excited about blessing? Right? Man, I'm excited about being blessed. But watch this. Let me talk to you, blessed man and woman of God. Let me talk to you who don't know that God wants to bless you. And you're saying, oh, wait, God has a blessing for me? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. There's a blessing in the midst of trouble? What a concept. I never thought of that. Seriously, I I personally never thought of that. But watch why it says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. 
See, if we could just leave that scripture up, I want you to consider that it's better to get past the difficulties of life than to live by them. It's better to get past the difficulties of life than by them. See, God doesn't want your life to be one big storm. God did not create you. God did not design you to be this person who goes from one problem to another problem, from one drama to another drama. It's just like, what's going to go wrong next? That's not what God created for you. God doesn't want your life to be defined by your problems. God wants your life to be defined by his blessing. By his blessing. And so according to this verse, if we could put verse 12 back up. Thanks, guys. What we see is that there's a couple of things that you and I need to know in order to overcome these trials. Number one, we see that we have to remain steadfast in difficult times. We should remain standing when the winds blow, when troubles come, when anxieties rise, when circumstances around us push in and pressure us. We have to remain steadfast in difficult times. I know I heard somebody ask, how do you do that? Stick around. We're going to talk about that, right? But what we also see here is that we have to stand the test. And I want you to consider that what James is talking about here, he's talking about something that we receive at the end when we are now face-to-face with the Lord. He's, He's come back and he establishes his reign. It's called the crown of life. It's when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. But watch this. Watch what has to happen in the midst of that journey. He says that blesses the man who remains steadfast on the trial for when he has stood the test. What test? Can I tell you that life is full of tests? And how you stand and walk through those tests plays a big part in the crown that you receive. That makes sense? And so we have to stand the test. We have to withstand and walk through life. And lastly, we see that we're to hold to God's promises. And so today, I want to talk to you about what to do when you find yourself in a storm. What to do when you find yourself in a storm. And I want you to turn with me to a familiar passage of Scripture that some of us may be uh, familiar with. Others, this might be brand new, but I pray that you come at this with an open heart, an open mind, and ready to receive what God has to say to you. Is that all right? And so starting in Matthew 14, verse 22, it says that immediately he, meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Pretty cool, huh? But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A lot happening here. Let me give you some background here on what's going on. So a couple of verses before this, what you'll find is that Jesus has just finished performing a great miracle in partnership with the disciples. The reason why I say in partnership is because they were included in the bringing forth of this uh, miracle. So the way the story goes is Jesus is teaching uh, over 5,000 men. You've got to understand what that means. That's just counting the men. That's not counting women and children. So it was significantly more people than just the 5,000. So Jesus is teaching these people, and then one of the disciples gets real wise, and he goes, hey, Jesus, um, it's getting late, and the people are hungry. Why don't you send them away so that they can go and buy themselves something to eat, you know, in, in, the, in the area? And Jesus says, you feed them. And so these guys go, well, uh, you know, they check the kitty, and they go, how much we got? And they say, we can't, we can't feed all these people with what we have here. And this little boy comes and he goes, I've got five fish and two loaves of bread. I'm sorry, I've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And he says, how about you use this? And the Bible says that Jesus says, bring it here. He blesses it and he begins to distribute it through the hands of the disciples. And it multiplies and this great miracle happens. And so real cool stuff, right? So Jesus this is all done, and he says, hey, guys, you guys go and get in the boat and go to the other side. The other side, you might not know, is a place called Bethsaida, which is a place of great unbelief. And if you study the scriptures and look at what happens after they get to the other side, when Jesus gets there, he performs a great miracles. Um, so much so that just people touching the hem of his garment, uh, you know, affected the lives of many people and brought healing and deliverance and all that. And so Jesus says to them, guys, you get on the boat. And I'll meet you on the other side. I'll dismiss the people. So they get in the boat. And as we just read, Jesus finishes dismissing the people. And he says, I'm going to go and take some time with my father. I'm going to go and pray. So he hikes it up to this mountain. He spends the evening there in prayer. And then he decides, okay, let me go catch up with these guys. But the Bible says that they were a long way off by this point. And so as we see here, Jesus sent these guys to the other side. The thing is, they weren't aware of what that was about. Jesus had told the disciples, go over there. Now, you got to imagine the excitement, the spiritual high that these guys are having. They just saw something miraculous happen, and they participated in it. So they're all excited. Wahoo, santo, hallelujah, right? They're all excited. And they're on this boat, and they're talking to my man, did you see how the bread just kept multiplying? It never stopped out the basket. So these guys are going through all this spiritual high, and they're on their way to the other side. And what they fail to realize is that Jesus has an agenda on the other side of that body of water. I'll give you a freebie here. You may not understand everything that God instructs you to do, right? But you can trust that it is for your good. It is for your good, right? So these guys are on the way, and it's for good. But watch, how, watch what happens. It's for good, but a storm hits along the way. And so as they're in route, the Bible tells us that Jesus finishes up with the people. He prays, right? Now he decides he's going to walk over there. And watch what happens as he looks upon them. Mark 6, 48 puts it this way. He saw that they were in serious trouble. 
rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. You know what the Bible's telling us there? This, it wasn't just that there were some waves and some wind. It was actually something that was contrary to them. So it was a storm. It was more than just wind. It was storm gusts. And these guys are struggling. They're in serious trouble. And Jesus looks upon them in the midst of this violent agitation of wind and waves. And he decides, well, I'm going in the same direction as them. Now, before we dig into this, I want you to notice something. That following God does not make you exempt from life's storms. Hear this. You ever find yourself going, why is this happening to me? You're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. Because it happens to us all. We all face troubles. Listen, please do not be that person who naively believes that we walk on clouds and it's just pie in the sky. Jesus himself said, in this life, he didn't just say you'll have some problems. He says you're going to have tribulation. He says, but rejoice, I've overcome, right? And so the disciples were doing what Jesus told them to do. It's, it's at this point where some people get a little wacky in, in the church world because they say, you see, God creates the storms to teach you something. That's not the case at all. That's not what happened here. Notice that Jesus didn't tell them to go into a storm. Jesus told them, go to the other side. Now, the truth is this, that getting to the other side of life is God's plan for you. But sometimes that means you will have to press through some storms that come your way. We'll be talking more about that during this series. And so listen to what 1 Peter 4 verses 12 and 13 says. It says, dear friends, tell somebody, he's talking to you. Tell somebody, he's talking to me. Right? Tell somebody else, he's talking to all of us. So listen, God is talking to you. He calls you friend. Right? He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Get this. Why are you surprised when problems happen? Why are you surprised when you feel pressed and you feel like life is caving in on you? Why, why are we surprised? Watch what he says. Instead, be very glad. Notice he doesn't just say, be glad. He says, be very glad. I imagine that the writer of this is saying it with a smile. Be very glad. Now, mind you, this is Peter who was crucified upside down. This is Peter who endured prisons and floggings and and all kinds of stuff. And Peter says, here's my piece of advice to you based on my wealth of experience in following Christ. When trials come, don't be surprised. Instead, be very glad. But watch why. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So it should be no surprise when trials come, when difficulties show up. We all go through them. So instead of lingering in surprise, in complaints, in worries, instead of picking up the phone and telling everybody about your troubles, instead of getting your little pity party committee together, right, to massage your feelings and tell you and agree with you how bad things are for you, right? Because you know that that's what happens, right? When we start telling people our problems, right, you, you, you get the, ay, bendito, 
Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear that. Can I pray for you? Right? Now, there's nothing wrong with prayer. There's nothing wrong with having people that can understand and even sympathize with what you're going through. But let me tell you something. When you're in trouble, what you don't need is someone to remind you of your trouble or just assure you it's okay. No, no, no. What you need is somebody that shows you a way out. What you need is somebody that encourages your faith. What you need is somebody that helps you to get the proper perspective. And so Peter says, be glad. But watch why he says that that when trials come and we stand, he literally tells us that we stand in partnership with Christ. Listen, just like Jesus suffered, so will you. But just like Jesus overcame, so do you. So do you. That makes sense? And so when we take this approach to the storms of life, we can get through them and reap joy as we see God's glory at work in our lives. It reminds me of a uh, tropical tree that uh, I I came across that that I was studying on. It's called the tabunaco tree. This tropical tree is known for its resilience in the harshest of storms. In addition to dropping its leaves quickly, leaving nothing but the trunk and branch to present a smaller target in the midst of a storm, this tree is known to intertwine its root system with other trees of its kind to create a network that forms an anchor and provides vital nutrients. So get what this tree does. Get the design of this tree because storms are going to come and the tree knows I was designed to withstand them. So watch what this tree does. Its roots spread out just like any other tree, but its roots seek out other trees of its own kind. And here's what they do. They intertwine them because once a storm hits and you're stripped of all nutrients, there's no water at play, the, the, the ground is destroyed, you're still anchored in your root system to other trees just like you who you draw nutrients from, who you stand with. And so while storms may come and knock everything else down, you still remain standing. God says you can stand steadfast, but you got to get this. You got to get this. While you're not exempt from the effects of storms, you can be exempt from the effects if you'll take the opportunity to partner with Christ and people on the same journey of faith with you. You know what's the worst thing we could do when we have problems? Retreat. That's the worst thing we could do. I'm just going to go into my prayer closet and we lock ourselves up and, we, and we, we, we believe that we're better doing it alone. That's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. And so as we read, Jesus sees these guys struggling. But Jesus also has in mind to go to the other side. Right? He also, remember, he told them, you guys get in the boat and I'll meet you on the other side. And so he's intent on getting to the same place as them. Right? Bethsaida. But what's interesting is that when Jesus finally decides to go to the other side, he doesn't go looking for another boat. He doesn't even go looking for an alternate route. He says, well, I've got to cross this body of water. I'm going to go this way. It's the quickest way. It's the easiest way. And watch what he defines as easy. He walks on the water. He walks on the water. Now, mind you, these disciples are in serious trouble, as we just read. They're struggling against the wind and the waves. And what's interesting is that these guys aren't just struggling against the wind and the waves. They're struggling internally. 
the greatest storm happening here is not the wind and the waves. It's how they're responding internally, right? So, but here's the thing. He begins to walk on the water towards the other side. And we have to ask this question. How come Jesus wasn't walking to them? How come Jesus wasn't walking to get in the boat with them? The book of Mark says that when Jesus is walking on the water, he walked with the intention of continuing on further. In other words, he had no plan on getting in the boat. And to understand why, we have to really analyze what the disciples were going through. How were they responding to the storm? The word strain here, when they were straining and struggling against the wind and the waves, means to toil. But watch this. It talks about doing something in torment. It talks about being vexed in pain and being tossed to and fro. So in other words, these guys are in the midst of this storm, and they are a wreck. They are afraid. They're anxious. They're in pain. They're complaining. They're tormented. They're expecting the worst. Anybody ever been there? You see a problem coming, and you already know the end. Right? You already tell yourself how bad it's going to turn out. How wrong it's going to go. You already know what to expect. And so Jesus sees these disciples in this state, that they were struggling, that they were straining, that they were overwhelmed to the extent of torment and pain. And as Jesus is walking on the water, he decides, I'm not getting in that boat. I'm going to let that sit for a moment. Jesus did not walk towards them or get in the boat with them because God operates Above the waters. Listen closely. God does not get in your boat of problems. I'm going to show you that in scripture in a second. Show you that in scripture. Right? But you see, God doesn't participate in the drama. Instead, he invites you and I to step out of the drama where faith works Right? Which leads me to our next point. You have to get out of the boat to walk on water. What do I mean by that? You have to get out of your circumstances in order to rise above them. You can't stay in the midst of the drama and the trouble and somehow expect to get out of it. Listen, oftentimes instead of going to God for the solution to our problems, we try to make God part of the drama. You know what we call it? We say, oh, Father... I surrender. There it is, Lord. Do something about this problem. Change these people. Change this situation. Intervene, Father, on my behalf. Father, deliver me. Well, I mean, if you're not going to do it, I might as well just take it back. Right? And we try to help God in the process of bringing about the solution. See, you have to get out of the boat to walk on the water. Listen, if you're going to overcome the storms of of life, if you're going to get past the drama, if you're going to get the place of healing and peace and solution and intervention from God, you've got to understand that you have to get out of the limits of the problem and do what faith calls you to do. Listen, 
Every answer that God gives you and I requires faith. You got to do something you don't want to do. You got to do something you never thought about. You got you to step outside of your feelings, right? See, faith does not work in the boat. Faith works above the raging waters. That's how God operates. Faith calls you to get past your pain, past your emotions, past your fears, past your anxieties, past your complaining, past whatever it is. To do what God says and go where God is leading you. Past the storm. So to do this, we got to look at Peter's example. Now get this. He's in the boat. They're all straining and struggling. These guys are tormented. And you know what happens when you get around a bunch of people that are agreeing how big a problem is? You talk about it. You talk about it. You tell yourselves how bad it is. Oh, man. I remember the last time we were in a problem. Man, this was going to be worse. It's like we're encouraging ourselves to make a bigger problem. And so this is where Peter is. And he's hearing the cries. And the Bible says that Jesus is walking past their struggle. He's walking on the water. And the Bible says that these guys go, oh, my God, it's a ghost. Get this. They're struggling and God shows up. And they can't even recognize him. Listen, you can be so convinced of your trouble and your anxieties and your fears that God is walking and saying, hey, I'm over here. You don't belong in that boat. And you can completely miss what God is saying and what he's trying to do in your life. It's dangerous. It's dangerous ground. So you see, faith doesn't work in the boat. Faith works above the raging waters. Faith calls us to get past all these things. And Peter's in the midst of this crowd, and Jesus addresses them. Notice that Jesus doesn't walk to the boat. Jesus is on the water, and he simply speaks to them. And he says, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter gets real smart all of a sudden. He makes a real wise decision. He says, man, forget that. I don't want to stay in this boat with you guys. He says, Lord, if it's you, command that I come. Watch what he's saying. Lord, if it's you, command, show me. Tell me that I can walk where you are above the storms, above the problems, above my circumstances. And watch what God's response is to Peter and to you. Come. 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 Don't stay there. Come. And so Peter takes a step. But Peter had to stop listening to the people around him. And the worst thing you could do in trouble is, oh, I get it. There's, there's, there's a... There's, there's wisdom in the multitude of, of, of wise counsel. Yes, that's true. But wise counsel will always point you to God. Wise counsel will not tell you about their problem and how they went through it. If it excludes God, it's not wisdom. If it doesn't point you to Jesus, it's not wisdom. It might sound good, it might even look good, it might have even worked for them, but it won't work for you because you were called to follow after the living God. You were called to walk on water, not sit in a boat. You were called to be different. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. 
You're the change maker. You're the difference. So stop listening to people. Listen, Peter had to put more trust in what Jesus said than what the other disciples were saying at the moment. I want you to insert yourself into the story for a moment without telling on yourself. And I want you to envision that you're in that boat and Jesus is walking by and he says, come. Now I know everybody says, I'll step out and walk on the water. And here's the one question I want you to consider. Really? Let's think about this. It made no rational sense. It defied the laws of nature, gravity. It defied everything. The world to this day says if you try to walk on water, you'll sink, correct? Correct? How many of you are going in the middle of the Hudson in 100 feet and going to try and walk on water? You're not. You're not. So look, Peter had all the resources and all the knowledge and all the wisdom of all these people who had been with Jesus. Peter had walked with Jesus. And now he's in the boat and Jesus says, come. Which leads me to my next point. We learned something from Peter that you got to dare to take a step of faith. Every answer from God is an invitation to walk by faith and not by sight. Every answer from God. Every answer from God. Every single answer from God is an invitation to trust him beyond your natural resources, beyond your natural understanding. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Bible says that he is able to do exceedingly Abundantly, above, beyond. Watch this. What you ask or think. It's not on our level. It's an invitation to go higher, to rise above the wind and the waves. And so, look, that might be scary, but you got to give it a try if you want to get to the other side. You got to do it. And so, God walks on water, He's not limited to our boats of difficulty. So take a step out of your situation. Yeah, I know that wasn't grammatically correct. Situation. Listen, you got to get to a place. We have to get to the point of decision where we say enough is enough. Basta. Ya se acabó. I'm done. Femme la bouche. I'm done with this. I have not been created to live in the eye of a storm. I've been created to walk through it. I don't belong here. And so Peter takes a step of faith. Look, he disregards the fears and the worries of others. Listen, he's amongst other believers. He's amongst other followers of Jesus. And everybody's saying, it's a ghost. It's scary. Don't do it. We're all going to die. And Peter says, I know what you think and I know what you say is gospel, but I respond to the voice of Jesus. And so Peter steps out. And all of a sudden, he's walking on water. He's walking on water. But let me share a thought with you. 
Your standing in God's word will determine if you sink or rise above your storms. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Leave that point up, please. Your standing in God's word will determine if you sink or rise above your storms. You got to understand, this is God speaking to Peter. And he says, come. Come. And at that very moment, Peter had to put more trust in the words of Jesus than he did in the wind and the waves. You know, for some people, it might, you might be of the opinion that Peter walked on water. No, Peter walked on the word of God. The word of God empowers you and I to do that which violates the natural sense and mind. And so, on another occasion, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do people say I am? And the Bible says that the disciples say to him, well, some say that you're Elijah, the prophet Elijah reincarnated. No, 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 no. Some say that you're John the Baptist uh, resurrected. And then Jesus gets up close and personal with them. And he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Who do you believe that I am? And this guy, Peter, says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And what's interesting is this. I want you to consider what Jesus says to him. The Bible records that Jesus says, flesh and blood. He says, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father himself has given you this revelation. And then Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19, and I tell you, you are Peter, Petros. He equates him to a rock. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Not on Peter, on what you know, Peter. On the truth that you've accepted is yours. He says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Watch this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Listen closely. You have the keys to make it out of every circumstance, every trouble, every trial, every lie of the devil. The key is yours. But here's what unlocks it. Here's how you use it. Jesus is literally asking these guys, who do you believe I am? And sometimes we believe more in the lies that we tell ourselves in the midst of trouble. You know what those lies are? I can't. I'm going to fail. It's scary. I don't have enough experience. I don't know what other people know. I don't have the resources. I just started in this, in this walk, in this journey. But everybody else that tried it failed. I might as well just give up. And what we do is, not only do we believe those lies, but we begin to believe something about ourselves. I can't no longer is just I can't do something. I can't becomes an identity. Wow. 
So you have the keys of the kingdom, and no devil, no difficulty can prevail against you. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. But you must keep your standing in what God has said. I can't tell you how many times people have told me what God told them. Good for you, but that's not what God told me. You have to follow what God has told you. You have to believe the truth about who you are, whose you are, and what he's called you to. And so we just read it. Peter's walking on water. He is riding high. He's cruising. But the Bible says that all of a sudden, Peter sees the wind. Chew on that one. The effects have gotten to such a point in his mind and his heart that Peter believes he sees wind. And he begins to sink. He begins to sink. See, when you misplace your faith, doubt will sink you every time. It'll sink you. But Peter gets real smart here. Makes a smart move. The Bible says that he's sinking and he cries out and he says, Lord, save me. But it's important to understand and take note why Peter began to sink. He used more doubt than he did faith. He used more doubt than he did faith. Do you see how dangerous this is? And so Peter's sinking. Look, any one of us here today can relate to Peter at this moment. We've all doubted. We've all believed less at some point. We've all misplaced faith. And if we're honest, we've all sunk at some point too. But at the point of your greatest doubt as you sink, watch what's happening. The Bible says that immediately, immediately, without hesitation, Jesus extends a hand to him. And he says, you used so little of the faith that I've given you. You increased your doubt and you minimized the faith that you have in me. It wasn't that Peter didn't have faith. It's just that he used very little of it. He misplaced it. And what I love about this is that Jesus extends his hand immediately to him. Listen, when you get in over your head, God always extends a helping hand. Always. Notice that Jesus didn't say, well, you know, you better repent first. You better clean yourself up, Peter, and ask me to forgive you for every single rotten, picking thing that you've done. You dirty scoundrel. You sinner. None of that. Jesus extends his hand. And and this is so simple, but it's such an important point. I love the way 1 Corinthians 10.13 puts it. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. 
when you're tempted, he will show you a way out, watch this, so you can endure. So you can make it. Listen, God isn't surprised when you're sinking. When you're sinking in doubt, when you're sinking in worry, when you're sinking in fear. He's not surprised. We might get surprised, but he's not surprised. In fact, he knows the extent to which you can endure in the storm. And what I love about it is that he immediately reaches out. He's always present. He's always there. As we stand here today and close, I want you to consider this simple point. That every one of us will experience the effects of storms. But you don't have to be affected by them. You don't have to live depressed. You don't have to live with worry. You don't have to live with doubt. You don't have to settle for fears. You don't have to settle for the opinions of others. You don't have to be moved by the circumstances around you. Raise up your eyes to your help and where it comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. Your help comes from the Lord. Somebody needs to hear that. Your help, your help, your help, your solution comes from the Lord. He's your strong fortress. He's your high tower. He's your covering. He leads you and guides you under the shadows of his wings. That's the God you serve. And it's very possible that there are some of us here today and that's not the God you know. The God you've known is struggle, worry, anxiety, fear. Can I tell you that that's not a God at all? That's not God. That's not God and his love for you. And so today as we close, I want you to remember that each and every one of us is subject to trials, to difficulties, but you don't have to live by them. It's time to rise. What I love about this is, and you can't miss this, the Bible says that when Jesus lifts up Jesus, uh, Jesus lifts up Peter, he says to him, why would you use so little your faith? And then the Bible says this, and then they got back in the boat. You know how I used to envision that scripture? I used to envision it, envision it this way. I used to envision, come here, Larry. I used to envision it this way. Get down on me. Peter's sinking. And here's how I envisioned it. Jesus picked him up, said, I got you, buddy. <laughs> and they walked to the boat. But in reality, here's what it looked like. Hey, get back there. Sorry about that. Here's what it looked like. Jesus picks him up and he says, come on, man. Let's walk towards the boat. Listen closely. God is so good. Thank you, Larry. God is so good and he's so faithful that he doesn't invite you To be afraid of the waters. No, he restores you and he causes you to walk above the storms of life. So wherever you are, get on the boat and walk in partnership with Christ. 
And watch, storms will come, the winds will blow, but you'll make it every time. You can make it. Go ahead and tell somebody, you can make it. Tell somebody, you can make it. Tell somebody, I'm making it. Listen, you can make it. With Christ, you can make it. Father, thank you for this revelation that you've given us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can rise above the challenges of life. Lord, you say that our identity is not just one who overcomes. You declare that we are more than overcomers, more than conquerors. And so, Father, I thank you that today I stand in a room full of conquerors, full of giants, people that can rise above the problems of life and be a light and lead the way to impact the lives of others. Lord, today we say, I'm coming. You say, come, and Lord, we say, here we come. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Now, it's very possible that there's someone here today, or maybe you're joining us online, and you've never had a personal relationship with God. What does that mean? You've been sinking. You've been sinking. You've been treading water for a long time, and you're tiring out. Maybe you're just tired already. You've given up. And here's the invitation. God immediately reaches out to you, and he says, I'm still here. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He extended himself. He didn't sit on the throne and stay there. No, he came right where you were and reached out. And he dealt with the issue of sin by dying on a cross and paying the price for the penalty of sin that was yours and mine to pay. You know what that means? You're not guilty. Sin's not your problem. It's been, it's been dealt with. But here's the truth. We have to accept that payment. And if you're tired of struggling, or maybe you've just kind of veered off a little bit, it's time to get back to this central place. Trusting God. If you, see, if you recognize a need for God, I want to encourage you to join us in this prayer as we close out. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Because you love me. And so from this day forward, I declare you're my Lord and Savior and that you are my God. And from now on, I'm walking above the waters. I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm looking forward to the other side. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we're celebrating what God is doing in the lives of people. Don't leave here without sharing with somebody this decision you've made. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can walk above the storms of life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed this message, simply share it with your friends, press the like button, or screenshot it and tag us at CTBNY on your social media stories. We are so glad you joined us. God bless, and have a great week.